entering the Freedom Hut. Huge job numbers out for the month. The economy is booming. America is crushing it. We'll get to that. Plus, Biden, the fat-shaming push-up bully. They threatened Professor Turley, by the way, after his testimony this week. Adam Schiff is watching you. The pivot back to Russia. Medicare for all is toxic. Uh, what means? What is it when a city has too much trash? And uh, more coming up. This is the Buck Sexton Show, where the mission mission is to decode what really matters with actionable intelligence. One small step. Make no mistake. America. You're a great American. Again. The Buck Sexton Show begins. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. Buck Sexton. It is Buck Sexton. Now. Welcome to the Buck Sexton Show, everybody. It is Friday, and I feel good. And I knew that I would. Brandon, good to have you here, my friend. Exciting, exciting things to get to here in the world of, uh, of news and information and entertainment. Uh, the big thing I wanted to start with is just the, the jobs numbers today, because let's take a little trip down memory lane, because today's going to be kind of a freestyle of a show. It's, it's a post-impeachment mania show. Not that the impeachment is over, but just we, we have these frenzies in the middle of the week and Democrats and all their little lackeys in the media are, oh, my gosh, devastating. The testimony was devastating from that bureaucrat from the State Department or that professor or, you know, whomever it was. And then they look around and they realize that the only people crying, the only people weeping into their lattes are, in fact, the libs that hate Trump anyway. So what really is the difference? What's the point? What difference at this point does it make? You could ask, as Hillary once did. Well, the truth is that that was just to wake you up, by the way, in case you're a little groggy today as you're turning on the show. It's been it's been quite a week. I'm sure you've had a lot of things going on. Uh but we have this aftermath of the impeachment frenzy that there's a cycle to this now. We have to talk about, oh, everyone's talking. And then and a lot of you are sending me notes, emails, messages. You're just like, look, I mean, impeachment, it's just, what is this even all about? And I agree. But it's as though we have the American people who are not Trump deranged. It's as though we have been charged by some power mad prosecutor. And now we have no choice but to defend ourselves. We have no choice but to defend against this uh, impeachment assault. So that's why I- I'm sensitive to the fact that we spend way too much time as a, as a country and certainly as a news media. But remember, the problem is that the news media is more invested in impeachment than any other story because they're invested in it for very personal and professional and ideological reasons. Uh, and that's why when you have something like you do today, um, when you have numbers that come out that just blast at all the fear-mongering and the scaremongering about not just Trump, but this country. I mean, America right now, I, I, and this is probably not, you know, it's not good radio. I should come here. If my purpose every day was to just get as many people to listen as possible, be like, the end is coming. They're destroying this country. We don't have long left. Check out this sponsor that I just trans- transitioned to from that scary monologue. I mean... There's stuff, there's fights, there's problems. I mean, yeah, are we heading to being a socialist country? I think, unfortunately, we are. Uh, but we're not going to be there tomorrow, so we continue to talk about that. But I am willing to tell you, maybe I'm one of the rare folks who, who is, the country's doing really well. We have a booming economy. We are not starting any unnecessary wars. We're not fighting, continuing 
a major military conflict where we are taking large numbers of casualties, or really any month-to-month casualties, that's fair to say at this point. So things are actually really looking up right now. And so in that context, it makes some sense that you would have Democrats so focused on this impeachment nonsense, because what's the other pitch going to be for 2020? Vote Democrat! We'll take more of your stuff, make you poorer, and make you less free. That's all true. They will do all of those things. What else do they really... Oh, they're promising you free stuff. I mean, the entire selling point the Democrats offer you right now is based on a lie that has been has been shown to be false time and time again, that there is such a thing as free stuff from the government. There is no, no such thing as a free lunch, folks. You all know this without me saying it. It just doesn't exist. That lunch came from somewhere. Somebody made that bread. Somebody made that bologna or perhaps a mortadella, which is just fancy bologna. Have you ever had the mortadella? I have the not. Mor- You've never had mortadella? No, oh, I can't even say it. It's fancy mortadella. man. It's fancy man bologna. Okay. Which I think also shouldn't we call it bologna? If we're going to be fancy, shouldn't we call it a bologna instead of you know what I mean? See, you don't, you don't like me because I had turkey yesterday, and it's after Thanksgiving. You are a non-Thanksgiving turkey eater. Yeah, oh, big time. It's like. Two percent. You're probably. I'm not a communist. Don't worry. I mean, you don't like strawberry ice cream, do you? Because that's no, the other. I do. <laughs> Get out of here, dude. That's not possible. You're messing with me. You're messing with me now on the show. <laughs> you say these things, and I'm because like, you, you I know like that everything you usually the, don't the, like. The, the most the most popular ice cream flavors are chocolate, vanilla, and strawberry. Somehow, this is what they always say. I don't and know how I've don't never. Like I, you're the first human being I've ever met who likes strawberry ice cream. I don't know how you don't. Where does this even come from? (laughs) Yeah, I want strawberry. Why not rhubarb ice cream? Why not, you know? Oh, now we're getting crazy. Yeah, I'm just saying. It might as well be. (laughs) Oh, speaking of which, did you see this? uh, There's a a Papa John's in South Korea now is going to start putting full American hot dogs on slices of pizza. Wow. Maybe the apocalypse is nigh. Maybe I've misled you all because that's crossing the streams. Don't cross the streams. Crossing the streams would be very bad. You know what's not very bad? Jobs. Smooth, seamless transition. That's why they, that's why they pay me the, you know, living in a studio apartment bucks. Um, so the jobs are fantastic right now. And there's a great chart up on CNBC. I mean, look, the, the overall numbers uh, we had just came out today, 266,000 jobs. Now, I, I understand that you know, maybe you're not somebody who follows the economy all that closely, but understand that the left, and a lot of you are, I don't know. But if you care or don't care just about watching the markets day to day, the truth is that these job numbers blast at the narrative that you're always being told that Trump doesn't know what he's doing, the tax cuts were just for the rich, everything's so bad. The estimate was that there'd be 187,000 jobs. It was 266,000. Unemployment is currently at three. And that is the lowest it has been. It has not been below 3.5% since 1969, folks. And we have uh, Kramer, you know, who's over there doing his show at CNBC. He he just summed this up, I think, pretty nicely. Would you would you play that one, Producer Brandon? 
the list of what the cable companies, cable, CNN, MSN, what do they cover? The number 16th, 16th is positive economic news. All the rest of them are negative. So you know what's going on here, Joe. People don't want to say good things. And this is the best number I've ever seen in my life. These are, I'm not going to say it. You can't, you can't contradict that these are the best numbers of our lives. Yeah. You can't. I mean, we had guns and butter when we were doing these things 50 years ago. And that followed with inflation and recession. I don't see inflation. I don't see recession. 50 years ago, that number was a curse. Now it's a blessing. And you know something, Joe? It doesn't, I can't, it doesn't matter whether you hate them or like them. These are real numbers. Best numbers of our lifetime, according to Jim Cramer. Now, I'm not saying Jim Cramer is infallible, but can anyone make a really compelling case that he's not right? You may be in the midst of the best economy in living memory in the United States of America. And while that's going on, you have Democrats hysterically trying to impeach a president of the United States under a pretext that changes every day. They add to it. They subtract to it. It's not even really clear what it is that they're claiming he did necessarily that what is the charge and and this is because they hate him and by the way the whole nancy pelosi thing yesterday when it was about it was uh james rosen and and hat tip to him over at sinclair news who asked the question Uh, i didn't know who it was when we initially heard the audio Uh, uh, rosen's always struck me as a a sound and and sober-minded fellow in in the realms of uh, journalism but Nancy Pelosi does hate Trump, which is why she got so worked up about that. I mean, this has now become deeply personal for these people. They all thought they were smarter than him. They thought that they knew better than him. They were of the impression, they were of the mindset that Trump was a bumbling buffoon, a reality TV show star. He couldn't possibly be, oh, I don't know, better at being the commander in chief and being the executive uh, in charge of the United States government, better at that than a socialist community organizer with a history of writing two biography autobiographies before his 50th birthday i mean this is a this is a surprise to people that trump would be better at this whole economy thing than obama was i i don't understand why that should surprise anyone and in fact many of these so-called experts the expert class that's always telling us what we need to do what has to be done same people that believe in climate change and still think that they're smart, which now we're increasingly at, at an era where if you really think that catastrophic climate change is happening, you're just you have a weak mind. It, I don't know what else to say. And you certainly have a weak mind if you go around essentially and I, and I mean, increasingly, literally worshiping like like bowing down before a child as though she's some God king of climate change hysteria. The adults who do this are an embarrassment to themselves and to everyone around them. But a lot of the adults who do this think that they're smart, think that they're wise, they're good people. And this is absurd. But that those people also wouldn't make good decisions about the economy when they're in positions of power, that Democrats in the House. I mean, the same people who tell you that we have 10 years to survive or else the planet is going to go extinct. And that, as you know, is not an exaggeration. They want to make decisions about what you can do and how you can run your business. They want to tell you about how much of your money you get to keep, where where your money goes once it is taken from you, under threat of force, by the way. Fail to pay your taxes, and they will come and arrest you. Men with guns will eventually show up, take away your freedom, and lock you in a cell. 
So don't ever forget that. Yeah, I mean, initially it's, you know, email co- or letter correspondence with the IRS and you can go to court. And, but if you just say, I'm not paying, they're going to come and they're going to take you away and lock you in a cell. And the people that believe the world is going to end unless the United States, which has 15 percent of the world's CO2 emissions, takes dramatic and draconian measures, even though the rest of the world we know is going to do nothing. Squat. China, India. They're not going to change the trajectory of their economies because a bunch of self-righteous, sanctimonious libs think the planet is melting. And while all that's going on, the American people are working uh, in larger numbers than ever before. Huge numbers, by the way, in manufacturing that were uh, were unexpected. I mean, you had... Uh, You had 54,000 manufacturing jobs added last month. Now, this does include GM strike. They came back online. But education and health services, 74,000. Professional and business services, 38,000. So you have a whole series of industries, very important industries, where you've had massive. uh, And look, this is one month data, but. It is certainly not indicative of heading into a recession. It's not indicative of things all turning against the president. Now, just imagine for a second what you would be hearing. And I I know you you have to take yourself out of the narrative that they want to force feed you in the media. Imagine for a second that unemployment was ticking up. Imagine that the jobs report was really disappointing. Perhaps there was even a net loss of jobs or maybe only 20,000 jobs created for the month or some such number, something really disappointing. Do any of you doubt for one minute that you would see all across the Internet uh, stories about how the economy is about to, you know, about to hit a recession or in a recession at that point, they would say. Um, Meanwhile, if you go to, for example, CNN, which is the biggest joke in media now, and I do believe that eventually I I hope that Trump wins reelection so that uh, there'll have to be a reckoning over at CNN because this anti-Trump thing that they're doing is is embarrassing for them, whether they know it or not. It's an embarrassment because they're all they're all perpetuating a fraud. The fraud is that they're a, a, a neutral, nonpartisan news organization, which is only a moron could believe that now. Only a moron could say it. And, yeah, I mean that. Lemon, Tapper, Cooper, all of them idiots. If they really believe that, I don't think they do. I think they're just liars getting big paychecks. But. You go to CNN.com right now. I'm looking at the front page. We have a huge, huge job number just released today. And here's what the, th- the top three stories are. Biden's damn liar moment and what it says about 2020. Pelosi is about to face the biggest challenge of her speakership. And then there's the three victims shot in this Pensacola naval, naval base. OK, I mean, the third one. Yeah, that's breaking news. That that belongs on their front page. I'm, I'm fair about that. Um, nothing about jobs. And I'm looking at the front page. Maybe I'm sure there's some little story somewhere where they, you know, they have it. Uh, Nothing about jobs here. Let's let's have a fun little fun little round uh, round robin on the on the Internet here. Let's see if we were to go over to. Hold on one second. Uh, Let me go over to it. What's what's your favorite left wing website? Let's go to MSNBC.com. Oh, okay. I think that's that's a good one. Let's see what we have here. Um, How Fox News could form the basis for Trump impeachment vote. That's their main story right now. And then also updates on the Pensacola shooting. Nothing. Nothing in their top uh, in their top tier about jobs. That's kind of weird, isn't it? Booming jobs number. You have people that all they do is look at jobs numbers and data all day who are going on TV, not saying it's pretty good, saying these are the best numbers, meaning overall trajectory of the economy. Best numbers 
of their lifetimes. I mean, Kramer's got to be 60, maybe? Late 50s, early 60s? Best numbers of his life. I mean, you know, you'd think the American people would be like popping some brewskis and uh, maybe letting some champagne corks go here and eating some either filet mignon or some barbecue or a Big Mac, whatever you're into, but celebrate a little bit. Things are actually good. I'm here to tell you things are good, and you have to remind yourself of that because they don't want to let you think things are good. They want to control your perception because they want power. And if they control your perception and make it seem more negative, then you're much more likely to say, okay, well, I guess we have to put power. I guess we have to go back to a pre-Trump political mindset. No, I'd rather not. I like this. You could say I'm not tired of winning. Are you concerned about the impeachment might have on your legacy? No, not at all. It's a hoax. It's a hoax. It's a big fat hoax. I love that the president speaks about this that way. In case you missed, that audio was a little unclear. He was asked, are you are you concerned about the stain of impeachment on your legacy? <gasps> oh, no. He's, no, it's, it's all crap. And he's right. I don't ever want to go back to an expectation of politicians that they have to speak to us in this boilerplate meant for little children who, who can't hear real adults speak in real words, you know? Oh, we're going to come up with, I mean, I, I loved when Tucker called out Ben Sass, who I've, I've always thought was a smug, a smug jerk. I've never been a Ben Sass guy. Sorry. Really about Ben Sass from what I've seen in the public arena. Uh, says that uh, you know, when, when he's challenged on what happened in this town in Nebraska where Paul Singer, the private equity investor, just essentially took Cabela's over, just rinsed the company. I mean, just took everything he could, made a profit, did nothing good. It was just, it's vul- it is vulture capitalism. And Tucker calls him out. And Ben Sass, he calls out Ben Sass, who takes a lot of, gets contributions from Singer, of course. And Sass is like, we need creative policy solutions to deal with these things. Oh, thanks. Wow. Slow clap for the creative policy solution, Senator Sass. That's impressive. Joe Biden keeps getting weirder and weirder. He's now turned into really a a cartoon character. He's like a bizarre, belligerent Mr. Magoo. Doesn't know where he is. Gets gets real confused sometimes about things. And, you know, but he's like those darn it. Those kids, I would have gotten away with it. He's like the guy at the end of a Scooby-Doo cartoon meets the guy at the bar who wants to start a fight with strangers who aren't even there because he's had a little too, little too much too early in the morning. Hey, hey, you, look at me. Come here. Sir, there's, there's nobody there. Maybe, nah, and it just starts sort of half growling, half belching at people. You know, that's, this is what, this is the person that the Democrats are offering up to be the next president of the United States, as though this is, <laughs> this is going to like be some great thing. You got this booming economy, not starting any wars, no foreign countries directly coming after us, messing with us. Terrorism, jihadism, which used to be my main area of focus, is at a, no one else ever says this, jihadism is at like a 20-year low as far as America is concerned. We are in a better place now against radical Islamism than we have been since 9-11, right now. So you've got jihadism. I'm not saying, oh, book, it never really goes away. Thanks. I was in CIA, CTC. I, I know all the assessments about this group is, you know, battered but rebuilding. I mean, yeah, I, I, of course, none of these things ever entirely go away. Guess what? Communism and socialism never entirely go away either. You know, we won the Cold War, but we still got problems here. We got we got Sanders and, and Warren trying to destroy the country fast. And we got Biden and the others trying to des- destroy the country slow. All in the name of socialism, all in the name of free stuff and what's fair. 
but the country is is doing really well and and I know that 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 doesn't sell and it frustrates me I, I wish people would you know we don't ever everyone's so attracted to catastrophe oh the end it's coming no go home party it up a little bit this week because bad things will happen I'm gonna have to come in here at some point and say wow you know we we are going to go to war with somebody, probably China. We are going to have a problem at some point in the future that's big. You know, America's, we are going to have an economic downturn. So I'm here to tell you, in, enjoy it while it's good. Everything, whether it's personal relationships, your professional life, everything goes in rhythms, right? Cycles up and down over time. Nothing stays static. But when things are up, you can either choose to be freaked out all the time or you can say, hey, things are good. Let's prepare for the future. Actually, let's make some good decisions now while things are good. And this is where I have a little bit of a bone to pick with the Trump administration. This is where if you're going to tackle some of the very hard issues of entitlements, of the debt, of deficits, you want to do it now when everyone's feeling like their 401ks are doing well, their pensions are in pretty decent shape, all things considered, you know, their, their home values are high. This is, the stock market is an indicator. Even if you don't own a share of stock, it shows things that filter through the rest of the economy that are very, you know, there's, a, there's a reason why when, when stock prices are really high, guess what? It's more likely companies will invest and expand and bring on new workers and do new training. And this is all good. This is all prosperity. But if you want to deal with the long-term problems, you got to do it now. Unfortunately, our, and this is, I think in some ways, the doomsday clock within our system of representative government, there's no, there's no political incentive to tackle these hard problems when things are good. You know, who wants to be the guy who walks in the party who's like, I know you're all drinking beer and dancing and having a good time, but it's time to do some homework. It's time to get back to your room and do some homework. Producer Brandon would not like that guy. He's like, send that guy away. I do not want to hang out with him. I like the fun guy. I was like, let's keep the party going. And right now the Trump administration is, is in a little bit of a, you know, not quite we're going streaking, but, uh, you know, they're in a little bit of a party mode. They're in a little bit of a, let's just keep on rocking. We'll do one. We'll do one. That's where they are. And they're doing more than one. Uh, so with that, we also have, speaking of uh, people who yell weird things in, in public, we got Joe Biden out there. And if you miss this, I mean, this is just a great Friday Friday show story. I mean, this is not really important. We already did the whole, yeah, my legs with the blonde hair, prickly like a porcupine, seven little chipmunks sitting on a branch, eating a lot of acorns, like Joe Biden just being bonkers. You got that going on. By the way, some of you are catching that that's a reference to a movie from a long time ago, a movie that would never be able to be made today, by the way. No, no, but... uh it's pretty great if you if you want to go back and see it. It holds up. Um, Joe Biden is just talking crazy talk. In fact, you know, I will say Hillary Clinton appeared on Howard Stern show, and Hillary, when she's kind of just like sitting back and letting it letting it rip, and uh, you know, I, I, look, you know, I am as hard on Hillary as anybody else, but she seems pretty normal compared to Joe Biden. <laughs> Joe Biden is like. Joe Biden is just in another stratosphere, man. He he got into it with a guy. I think that yeah, this was in Iowa, and this has now become. I mean, it's the number one story I think on on CNN right now. Not the jobs numbers, not the trajectory of the country, and like that. No, no. 
what Biden's damn liar moment says about 2020. Top left of the CNN carousel right now. So this is the the damn liar uh, moment. We'll get into this. A retired Iowa farmer yesterday uh, decided to challenge Joe Biden. You know, I got to give this guy credit, although I think you can probably set an egg timer by how long it's going to be until the media decides to dox him, go over everything he's ever done in his life, and hopefully find something he scrawled in a yearbook 50 years ago to ruin him, get him fired, and make sure that his family is being threatened late at night by psycho leftists. Because that's what they tend to do. You know, you, it doesn't matter if you're... This is why I always say the Kavanaugh machinery of destruction is turned upon anyone. It doesn't matter if you're a public figure. It doesn't matter if... People think of you as a voice in the conversation. If all of a sudden it is worth it to them to come after you, they will. They absolutely will. They will destroy you. They will dox you. They will make sure you're fired. They'll make sure it's hard for you to rent a home or to buy a home. They'll make sure that your life is ruined, all because they want to send a message. So I do worry about this farmer because he was willing to challenge Joe Biden. I think the media has always, by the way, and this is early stage analysis from the Buckster that I feel very, uh, very proud of, that they were always covering for him in the Obama years, and they created all these excuses for his, his idiocy, his bumbling buffoon nonsense, because he was Obama's guy. He was Obama's vice president. As soon as he was kind of Biden unleashed, which is what we're seeing now, you're going to have this. You're going to have, you know, yeah, my leg was blonde from the hair, the sun blasting down, bleaching my skin or, or bleaching my leg hair. Rather, my skin is getting, you know, tanned from the sun and the this uh, this crazy stuff that Biden is saying out there. You know, you kind of wonder yourself, well, when do they ask questions as to whether this is indicative of something else that's going on? All right. Anyway, this is where we get into fat shaming push up gate. Which is, well, I think we can call it that. Um, you know, this is where we get into fat shaming push up, push up gate. Um, uh, here is the exchange with this Iowa farmer. Please play. So you're a damn liar, man. That's not true. And no one has ever said that. No one has heard that. No? You see it on the TV. No, I know you do. And by the way, that's why I, I'm not sedentary. I don't. I get up and and, and no, let, 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 let him go. Let him go. Look, the reason I'm running is because I've been around a long time and I know more than most people know. And I can get things done. That's why I'm running. And you want to check my shape on? Let's do push-ups together, man. Let's do. Let's run. Let's do whatever you want to do. Let's take it. No one has said my son has done anything wrong, and I did not on any occasion. And no one has ever said it. Not once. You were doing anything wrong. You said I set up my son to work in an oil company. Isn't that what you said? Get your word straight, Jack. That's what I hear on the MSNBC. You don't hear that on MSNBC. You did not hear that at all. What you heard? Look, okay, I'm not going to get an argument, you man. No, I don't want to. Well, yeah, you do, but look, fat, look, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Any other questions? Call him a damn liar, man. You're a damn liar. Like a, but Biden's from Delaware. We're all the, you know, when, when he gets, 
when he thinks he's getting all fired up being all politician, like all of a sudden Biden starts to sound a little bit like he's from, you know, Alabama or something. Hey, you're a damn liar. Settle down, Biden. Settle down. First of all, yeah, I actually would like to see how many push-ups Joe Biden could do. If we're, if we're going there, if we're talking about health and fitness and fitness to be president of the United States, let's see what he... I mean, Trump isn't running around challenging people to push-up contests. You know, he's uh, not not a guy that... But he, his health is impeccable and his energy is incredible. And he doesn't do this thing where he forgets what state he's in. So, and he also, uh, he says, he says, hey, hey, fat. That was amazing. And then, so he says to this, this, you know, older gentleman, you know, hey, hey, fat. And we all heard it. And then you have the Biden people rushing in. I mean, on social media, getting on the airwaves wherever they can. No, no, he was going to say facts matter. No, I think he was going to call him a fat something. I think because the son, the the Hunter Biden thing obviously really bothers Joe Biden. And here's why it bothers him and why it should bother him. The same way that, by the way, being asked about um, being asked about his new grandchild. Really, I mean, Hunter, I mean, Joe Biden gets very aggressive over that. And he's running for president, I think. Do you think the media would shy away for one second if uh, there was a new grandchild in the Trump family out of wedlock with, I believe, an exotic dancer in, is it Mississippi or Louisiana? I I think something like that. I don't think that they would have a problem bringing that up at all. We all know that's the case. Uh, But Joe Biden here has a bigger problem, and that is when he says, my son didn't do anything wrong. Well, that all depends on the definition of wrong. The appearance of impropriety is clear. It was gross what Hunter Biden did. There is no question about that. Hunter Biden leveraged his father for you know the purposes of getting a big ch- uh, paycheck. Hunter Biden decided that he was going to be getting a whole lot of money because his dad was a person of influence at the time. You know what is the only thing absent in this situation to make it a clear case of criminal corruption, a quid pro quo. If Hunter Biden at any point said to his dad, hey, dad, do this or do that because my Burisma friends are giving me all this cash, and then Joe Biden did that thing, that is criminally prosecutable corruption. Now, we don't have evidence that that happened yet, but that's also why, given that the only the only missing element would be that, the missing element could have been one conversation, could be a... A text message could be any number of things. Well, that's why you have an investigation. That's why you look into these things. That's why you don't leave it to the stunningly biased press corps uh, that just continues to cover themselves in dishonor and disrepute um, and are disrespectful, which is a word, Don Lemon. (laughs) That's not a word. It's not a word. I'm paid $4 million a year to talk all the time on TV, but... Disrespectful is not a word. Stunning. Hey, look, it's good to be it's good to be a lib, part of the lib machinery, you know, part of the little totalitarian effort to tear down America, take away your money and your freedom, and destroy everything that has made this place amazing. Because people are upset and aggrieved, and envy runs rampant like some kind of virus. Um, it's great though to be a part of that machinery and to get a huge fat paycheck along the way. You know, so you get to be in the point zero one percent and always talk about how much you hate the one percent. 
Really vanity and envy. That's what defines the modern Democratic Party, the vanity of those at the top and the envy of everybody else that those at the top exploit in order to get them to agree to really, really stupid policies and ideas. I didn't lose my temper. What I wanted to do was shut this down. You saw the reaction of all the people here. You saw the response. And uh, so, I mean, it was uh, what, what, what did bother me is he wouldn't give the microphone back. And when he, when he kind of pulled it away. And what I wanted to make clear to him was that, uh, that you know, his, if he gets more out of control, this is not appropriate behavior at all. Yeah. Uncle Joe Biden's cool as a cucumber, man. He's just hanging out. He didn't just call a guy fat and challenge him to a push-up contest uh, because the guy raised a very valid question about the appearance of corruption with his son. Keep in mind, with all the histrionics you see from these Democrats, oh, the aid for Ukraine, and they needed it so badly. So imagine if we did find out that Biden made any decisions whatsoever involving Ukraine because of his son, given how much we've been told that Ukraine is the most important country in the world for America's national security and defense, which is a lie, by the way, which is just not true. It's absurdity. But it's the same kind of absurdity you, uh, you see when they try to tell you that uh, Russia is our biggest national security threat, which is not true. I mean, it, it was more true or you know, you could argue that it was closer to true when Romney said it than certainly the media was willing to allow for, right? And Obama, the, the, the genius Obama said, you know, the 80s call, they want their foreign policy back. Remember that line? The media was like, oh, Obama is so amazing. He's so brilliant. So perfect. Yeah. It would be great if we had a skeptical press again. I, I really would like to have, if people are going to call themselves journalists, journalists, they should be dogged in the pursuit of facts, regardless of where it goes. And they should be deeply cynical about power. And about people trying to tell them that they're the good side and they should be challenging those who do really have power. But that's the that's almost the inverse. That's the opposite of what journalism is now. It's like we're all living an opposite day. But uh, oh, and by the way, people were were mean to um, that guy who got up and we won't play the audio, but, you know, other other voters, you're not, you're not allowed to ask. Joe Biden a real question in the presence of other liberals because then they'll they'll come after you. They'll, so I give this guy credit for, you know, he, he's the brave one in the situation. Joe Biden's not the brave one. He's the one who's standing up on camera uh, and willing to ask a real question of a, of a person. And the whole thing is just indicative of the mindset of the left, too. You know, Joe Biden's surly. And the, when he says that he didn't lose his temper, I mean, that, that's that's a true absurdity. Absurdity. Absolutely Ridiculous, But then again, so is Joe Biden, the Democrat frontrunner, folks, still. Black Rifle Coffee is celebrating its fifth year anniversary. So to celebrate, they started Black Rifle Friday. Look, I know it sounds like a fictional holiday, you know, like Valentine's Day, which is just a cash grab. But, you know, you wouldn't be wrong. But since it's actually Black Rifle's fifth year anniversary and the spirit of radical transparency, which is a thing Black Rifle's really into, Black Rifle Coffee's making an early play for your holiday spending with new products, special discounts, and extra perks for coffee club members. Not a coffee club member? No problem. Sign up and see all the great benefits you get when you belong 
Club's the most patriotic coffee club in the country. Let me tell you, I start every day with a delicious cup of Black Rifle coffee. My favorite roast is Silencer Smooth, but I also like Freedom Blend or Caffeinated as Blank. Check them all out. They're delicious. Don't choose basic batch coffee. Go with America's coffee, Black Rifle coffee. Visit BlackRifleCoffee.com slash buck to get 20% off your first purchase. That's BlackRifleCoffee.com slash buck. Again, 20% off your first purchase. BlackRifleCoffee.com slash buck. If we were to hold a contest for the most dishonest Democrat in Congress, it would be a close, a close match, I think. It would be a close call. And you have Adam Schiff, who decided to use the power of Congress to take individuals to subpoena individuals phone records uh excellent piece uh schiff is watching you from my friend kim strassel over at the wall street journal in which she lays out essentially what i told you yesterday which is that the, the problem with congress starting to use subpoena power to go after what are thought of as the records you would use for a criminal law enforcement proceeding is there is no check on this whatsoever unless the private companies that are subpoenaed say, um, this seems strange to us. We'll see you in court. And even then there may not be. It depends on whatever the judge says. The answer right now to can Adam Schiff, without any fear of punishment, get the metadata of your phone records, whoever you are listening to this, is yes, he can. He can just say, oh, I think I, I have a confidential informant who tells me that, you know, John... John so-and-so, who's listening, well, not John Solomon, who he already showed his phone records, but John Doe, listening to the show. Sorry, it rhymed. I know. There's no way around that. Uh, I, I think that he might have talked to some Ukrainians and yada, yada, I want their phone records. What, what He can just do it. And the speech and debate clause on the, on the floor of Congress means that he can say whatever he wants and he won't get in trouble for it. So now they, they can just pull, they can pull your, Democrats have set up a new standard. And remember, look at what they're willing to do with Kavanaugh, right, the Kavanaugh effect. Uh, they can do this now going forward as long as they have a majority and they want to use their committee in this way. They could, sure, subpoena, go for it. I mean, I don't even know if they need to use a committee. Probably just have one congressman who says, yeah, we're going to use our subpoena power to go after this. This is a very... A very troubling thing, and that the media is silent on this is just further proof that they're a bunch of, of absolute frauds, just complete frauds, hacks, clowns, the worst, the worst. No, no integrity, no honor, no sense that there's something more important than trying to just scrape an inch closer to, you know, the ratings that, say, Fox News has. They just they'll do whatever they have to do and they'll say whatever they have to say. So you have Schiff and then you, you have Pelosi as well. And she's sitting down with Jake Tapper, who, as those of you who listen to the show know, I find to be among the most odious journalist uh, frauds out there. And he sits down with Pelosi. And here's I mean, this is just stunning. I mean, she does this thing. She keeps doing this thing where she acts like she's really sad about this. Please, Brandon, play clip four. I believe that we should uh, introduce articles of impeachment. This is a very uh, sad day, I think, for our country. It's something that I would have hoped we could have avoided. But the president's actions made it necessary. The president's actions made it necessary. They don't even know which actions they're talking. It changes any given day. They don't even know. But 
The president is the problem here. That's what they that's what they tell us. Oh, boy. Um, you know, this this is the I think I might have mentioned this in the show before I can't remember now. But, you know, the worst because I, I had two brothers and some cousins are all around the same age. And, you know, the ultimate insult when you're having sort of brother fights, you, you're an only child. No, you, you got you got siblings, right? I am the oldest of four. Wow. Yeah. So you probably know what I'm talking so, so the ultimate insult when you have one of your younger siblings is not to, like, slap them with your hands. It's to take their own hands <laughs> and hit them with them and say, stop hitting yourself. Stop hitting yourself. Yes, yes. This is what Nancy Pelosi is doing to Trump, basically. Oh, you're, we, we don't want to do this. Why are you ma- Why, Trump, are you making us impeach you? You know, stop. Stop hitting yourself in the face. That's what they're doing. It is uh, wildly disingenuous, and they, they know it. They can't, they, they really just can't help themselves. Um, Pelosi is somebody that I, I think, when people look back at the history of what Nancy Pelosi is willing to do and say at different times, she really is the Democrat establishment. Um, she's whatever has to be said at any moment, Nancy Pelosi's up for it. There's never, there's never a time where she's like, no, I'm, I'm too good a person for that. My honor is too important to me for that that thing that I have to say or do or that bill that I have to push or whatever. No, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Just the relentless, unremitting pursuit of power, lust of control of the American people's lives. That is what motivates Nancy Pelosi. So she says that it's sad, which no serious person believes that she finds this to be Sad. And then she said uh, this sitting down with fake Tapper. Play five, please. We're uh, we're operating collectively. It's not going to be somebody put something on the table. We have our own, uh, shall we say, um, communication with each other. Okay. So I'm not going to answer one. With all due respect, I'm not going to answer one charge. We're not writing the, uh, the articles of impeachment here tonight. And then she went on to say that she didn't even want any more. Um, she didn't want any more questions about impeachment. I mean, she's the House majority. I'm sorry, she's a Speaker of the House, uh, which is in and of itself appalling, and should really make us all think uh, that our, a lot of our fellow Americans are just not very bright. But she is the uh, Speaker of the House, and here she is saying that you know she's not writing the articles of impeachment tonight. Guess what? They've already written them. I mean, they already know what's going to go in there. We've known all along. This is where you have the, the pivot back to the Russia collusion thing, which has been going on, too. They, they've got to stack the deck. There's this Ukraine thing, which is really the Russia collusion playbook all over again. This Ukraine thing's not enough. So what are they doing? Oh, we got to, you know, take this here and put that there and, you know, a little razzle dazzle. And all of a sudden, you know, poof, impeachment. It is ob. Absurd. Absurd. But this is where we are. Oh, here we go. This is Pelosi scolding Tapper. Tapper, of course, just has to take it because, you know, he's a little Democrat. Tapper's a little Democrat lapdog. So he has to just take it. Uh, Play nine here, please. This has absolutely nothing to do with politics. It isn't about politics, partisanship, Democrats and Republicans. That's totally insignificant. It's about the Constitution of the United States, the oath of office we take to protect and defend the Constitution from all enemies, foreign and domestic. It's about the president not honoring his oath of office. It's not politics, she says, when talking about 
a clearly political proceeding by elected officials who are politicians. But it's not about politics. She will look you in the eye. This is what she's doing here. She will look America in the eyes and say something that is the exact opposite of reality. And she does it like some kind of sociopath who hopes that you won't pay any attention to the fact that what she's telling you is something that only a moron could believe. It's clearly not true. But she has a higher purpose in mind. The higher purpose is defeating Trump and putting the collectivist socialist Democrats back in power. That's it. It's not it's not about politics. This would be like saying, you know, oh, yeah, we, you know, we in the freedom. But we don't you know, I, I'm not I'm not conservative. This is the dumbest thing I could say. Why would anyone listen to me after that? I mean, it's bizarre. Of course I am. Nancy Pelosi saying this is not about politics. That's. This is, a, this is a whopper of a lie. Uh, of course it's about politics. Why? Oh, the pretense, because there are people who are so brainwashed and so deluded. There are libs who are so crazy, and many, I'm talking many millions of them, that they really think, yeah, the Constitution. This is about the Constitution. The people that say that have never read the Constitution. They don't care for the Constitution. They just know it's a big word that means something when Nancy Pelosi says it. Yeah, America, the Constitution. That's what Trump did. He did the thing against the thing that I haven't read and don't know anything about and usually mock and ridicule for being not woke enough. I mean, the Constitution is not a woke enough document for the left. Now they love it. The Constitution is written by a bunch of old, rich, white, racist guys. That's what we're told, right? That That's what the Constitution is considered by the left until it's useful for this is a cover story that's all this is this is the cover story for the impeachment it's a, it's about something other than politics because the moment you recognize what this really is which is just a political food fight with angry democrats who just can't accept that trump is presiding over an unbelievably strong economy and a time of peace in america and things are going well he is better at this than they are. He, look, he's better at governing. He's better at understanding how complex systems of American governance. I know people would laugh at that and say, oh, he doesn't read enough books. And all stuff. Okay, well, he's better at doing the job, though, than all these Democrats who think they're so smart and are, you know, clinking the champagne glasses together in Martha's Vineyard every summer and in Nantucket and in the Hamptons and out in Malibu and Beverly Hills. You know, all these people who think that they're, they're so wise. That they have such an understanding of the world and how it operates. <coughs> this Trump figure comes along and they promised us that he was such a buffoon that it would all collapse. He's better at this than they are. And they can't handle it. Pelosi can't handle it. And that's where part of the hate comes from. Also, they're used to not being challenged in this way. I mean, Nancy Pelosi, do you think she gets challenged by journalists? Here's how she speaks to uh, multimillionaire journalist fraud Jake Tapper. Play 13, please. Would also have to testify if there's some sort of deal cut. Would you be willing to do so? It has nothing to do. They should be testifying because they have been asked to testify by Congress. It isn't a deal. It's about a system of checks and balances. Can we not have any more questions about impeachment? 
can we not have any more questions about it? She's like, Jake, shut up. I don't want to talk about this right now because we didn't win this week and it didn't look good, all right? Of course, Jake's like, oh, okay. Whatever you say, Nancy. No more talk about impeachment this week, huh? Because it wasn't a strong week for the Democrats. This should surprise nobody. And yet here we are. They are still fixated on it. They will not change their minds. They will not move an inch from the ultimate purpose. And the ultimate purpose is the destruction of Donald Trump at any cost. Of, of which, of course, CNN is completely on board for. And, and really all of the uh, powerful Democrats in Congress or all the Democrats in general are on, on board for. They're going to do this. They're going to try. Won't work, though. The greatest part about all this, and I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. Uh, Trump is not only going to get through this impeachment thing, he's also going to win in 2020. And we will, I think, have to declare a few days that we'll just call the not not tired of winning days in the Freedom Hub, where we just sort of like party and play music and hang out and drink margaritas because the liberal tears will be the most delicious things we have ever tasted. Global Verification Network is the only dual-certified, veteran-owned background investigation and vetting company. They are federally certified as a veteran-owned small business and headquartered in Chicago with offices throughout the nation. Their risk mitigation experts can work with startups all the way up to Fortune 100 companies, and no data or client information is ever offshored. Unlike a lot of their competitors, Global Verification Network has all employees located throughout the United States, and they do not outsource or offshore any of the work you give them. Give Global Verification Network a call, 877-695-1179. Again, that's 877-695-1179. You can also go to mygvn.com. Again, that's mygvn.com. Global Verification Network for all your background investigation and inventing needs. Leave no stone unturned. I like Nancy Pelosi as a person, but uh, this process has been hijacked. I think the most radical people in the country are running, uh, driving the impeachment process. And either she gets on the train or she's going to get run over by it. The impeachment process is going to keep on going. This train has left the station. It's not going to stop. Give us his assessment where it's all going. We're joined by my buddy Will Chamberlain. He is editor-in-chief of Human Events, humanevents.com, for all of their latest. He's down in D.C. in the swamp. So you can bring us a swamp side view of what's going on here. Will, good to have you. Good to be with you, Buck, as always. All right, man, what do you think about this this week? I mean, Pelosi's running around saying that she's really sad, that this is happening, that it's not political. I just want to meet the person who believes any of this. Well, I mean, I think she's sad, but not for the reasons she said. I mean, she's not sad that she's impeaching the president. She's sad that it's not going very well. Um, I mean, we saw yesterday, I think a New Jersey congressman said that he will not vote for impeachment. Um, The fact that that's already happening, I, I see that as the dam breaking. I think a lot of Democrats in, in districts that Trump won, and there are something like 30 or 40 of those, are really not liking the idea of going forward with impeachment. And in general, I just think it was a really bad week for the Democrats. I think the, the hearing in the Judiciary Committee went terribly. There's a reason they weren't sharing any clips of it, because they knew that they looked terrible. I mean, these are, you know, it was three liberal law professors who looked exactly like everyone that Trump supporters elected Donald Trump to fight against, and uh, then Jonathan Turley looking reasonable. Um, I mean, I think they have to go for it because they're being pressed by their base and they don't want to deal with the Twitter fallout of not going forward with impeachment. But I, I don't think Nancy Pelosi's happy about the, the way things are going at all. 
Adam Schiff's impeachment report exonerates President Trump. That is your main piece right now up on humanevents.com. Yeah. Tell me how. Uh, well, you know, for all the talk of quid pro quo and whether or not President Trump actually made explicit demands of Zelensky, there's been a complete lack of discussion about what President Trump's intent was in all his dealings with Ukraine. And everybody just asserts without evidence that he's doing it in his personal interest. Well, it looks like Adam Schiff's report contains a conclusion in a portion where he talks about how President Trump developed a negative view view of Ukraine after conversations with Hungarian Prime Minister Viktor Orban, Giuliani and others, and that that's what led him to take a more adversarial stance. Well, if that's true, then he's acting in what he saw as the interests of the United States when he took a more adversarial posture towards Ukraine. And therefore, it's not there's no corruption. There's no abuse of trust or abuse of power. Because from the president's perspective, he saw what he was doing as in the national interest. That's that should be the end of the impe- case for an impeachable offense. And it's bizarre that, you know, Adam Schiff and the Democrats would make this argument, would talk about the smear campaign that other and how people deceived President Trump into disliking Ukraine, because if what they are saying is true, it exonerates him of an impeachable offense. You also have in here Senate Republicans are AWOL in the oversight war. I've been discussing this in the show, and I worry that Senate Republicans are going to fall back and they, oh, we're the Senate. You know, we cool the passions of the House or whatever. No, right. we're in a street fight, Mitch McConnell. <laughs> what? You know, I think someone needs right. to get him the get him the memo. I mean, the way I look at it in, in a world where the House and Senate are held by different parties, the legislative branch doesn't really legislate. I mean, small things, things where there's complete bipartisan consensus, sure. But in general, I mean, you're, you're not going to see a lot of legislation. And so what you end up seeing is instead an, a kind of abuse of oversight power. I mean, the best example of that is Adam Schiff releasing phone records of Devin Nunes and others in his report. I mean, it's there's a way you can use the power of oversight to use subpoenas to harass people. You can use um, make it very hard for you know the government to actually do things. You can paralyze the executive branch of subpoenas, and you can use the subpoenas to humiliate people by publishing the results of those records. So you know they aren't actually doing oversight in order to modify legislation. That's BS. They're, they really are trying to essentially encroach on executive branch power, encroach on the executive branch's prosecutorial power um, under the pretext of oversight, and. My point is that, oh, that sucks, but Senate Republicans need to be willing to fight dirty if the Democrats are going to do that, too. So we should be using subpoenas. We should be playing the oversight game, too. If Democrats want to be issuing the phone, you know, releasing the phone records of Devin Nunes, then Senate Republicans should be subpoenaing Adam Schiff's phone records. I've been saying that all week. Totally, totally agree with you. I want to see if maybe somebody reported as the whistleblower and Adam Schiff or his office were having some chats. I think we should know about that before. Right. And, you know, I mean, again, like the whistleblower, it's another example of this weird, like almost gaslighting. It's like no one can say the name of the whistleblower. That's wrong. You Eric Sharamella is reported as a whistleblower, everybody. How many times have you said it on the show? It is absolutely right. obscene that the media goes along with the charade and won't say it. Right. I mean, and, and here's the thing. Like, it's not Adam. Sh- I mean, it, there's only one person who's legally bound not to identify the whistleblower. That's the IG of the intelligence community, right? That's the person who the whistleblower report goes to and under law is required not to disclose their name. That's the only person that's bound in this way. And the reason people know it's Eric Ciaramella is because of disclosures that were likely made by Ciaramella or his team about who the whistleblower was to the New York Times when they assumed he was going to go testify. I mean, so, yeah, we all figured out who it was. You revealed it, guys. You didn't, whatever your confidentiality you were trying to keep, you didn't do a good job. Now it's public information, but apparently everybody's still going along with this notion that no one can say the whistleblower's name, even though that's not the law. Hold on for one sec. We got to come back with a little more. 
All right, everybody, we're continuing our conversation with my uh, friend from Human Events, where he's editor-in-chief, Will Chamberlain. Well, let's talk a little about the Democrats. Um, mm-hmm. First of all, I mean, how much would we have to pay you to have you and Joe Biden get into a push-up contest? <laughs> well, uh, I don't know. I mean, Joe Biden's always open to campaign donations, right? Or at least his son is. At least That's true. Son. I was going to say, I think it's just going to take a nice fat check to Hunter Biden, and he'll probably right. show up and do a push-up contest tomorrow. Right, right. Like, I mean, there, there are candidates who I would say that would never indulge that. But Joe Biden's not one of them. The man, the man does like his money and his, uh, his influence. Um, I don't know. I mean, Joe Biden's clearly out of it. It's, it's bizarre. that. How is he still? But, I don't mean to cut you off, but how is he still the front runner? I, I sit here. I mean, Tucker and I have had the same line on this. I just found this out. He's been saying what I've been saying, which is like, I, I don't care what the polls say. There's just no way this guy's going to win the Democratic nomination. But I'm actually starting to feel like maybe I'm missing something here because his support doesn't doesn't budge. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's two things. One, name recognition is really powerful at the end of the day. I mean, everybody knew who Donald Trump was, right? So it's a, it's a very powerful force. And everybody knows, most people know Joe Biden. He was the vice president for eight years. Um, and then I think the second thing is a very, very strong loyalty from the black community, right? The African-American community, which see him, sees him as the person who supported and stood by Obama for eight years of the Obama presidency. And I think, you know, those two things explain this sort of robust strength. So even though he literally is senile. I mean, he's just not fully there. It's obvious. Um, you know, he, he yells at the TV screen like he, he can't fully hear everybody. Um, it's just, I don't know, it, it, it's amazing how robust it is, despite his obvious flaws and his really his complete unfitness to be president at this point. Well, isn't it amazing that we've had all these different uh, cycles? Because it really, it goes and it comes, it goes and it comes of the media saying that Trump... They even they were fat shaming him for a while. They say that he's too obese to be president. So, you know, there's a health risk there. They say that he's crazy. I've seen a number of psychi- uh, psychiatrists, psychologists go on TV and say that Trump, you know, is, is not of sound mind. And so he should be removed. And you keep hearing this. Well, the good news for us is that they've opened the door very wide for a robust conversation about how Joe Biden. Yeah, he, he doesn't look like he's up for this at all. I mean, I'm not sure about that, Buck. Like, there's there's a very clear rule is that you're not allowed to talk about the potential health problems of Democrats, right? That's a very clear rule. In it was clear on the in two, 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 I know you're, I know you're kidding, but it was clear on the Hillary. I mean, the Hillary campaign for right. sure. She flopped in the back yeah. of a bus. Everybody's like, how dare they bring that up? Right. That's a conspiracy theory. That's another one of my favorite pejoratives. You know, anything. A credible allegation is one. You know, it's like you need to just like translate this newspeak. A credible a credible allegation is one that there's no supporting evidence of for the Democrats and a conspiracy theory only in, as phrased by like a Democratic presidential campaign. A conspiracy theory is something that there's video evidence of. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I remember that with the Hillary thing. And, and I think we're going to see another version of that. I mean, do you do you think that there's going if someone's going to break Biden's Maginot line of support here? Uh, who do you think it would be? I mean, who's your number two? I, th- I think Buttigieg. I mean, it looks wow. like he's going to win Iowa. Uh, and I mean, the ultimately, I think that he's he's a candidate who I think is is actually could pose problems for Trump. And, and the reason I say that is because he, he contrasts with Trump. He's this much younger guy. Um, he's extremely, extremely articulate uh, and well-spoken um, on his feet. And so that, you know, like compare that to a Biden who is not well-spoken at all, who is older than Trump. Like it's a terrible contrast. And so I think, you know, there's a reason that. You know, Buttigieg's numbers have been going up as Biden's have been going down in those first few states. 
And I think it's because, like, as people see more Buttigieg, they're like, oh, God, this guy's clearly more competent than, than this man who should, clearly should be just hanging out with his grandchildren at this point. Interesting. We had on yesterday, uh, I don't know if you know Chadwick Moore, but he's a friend of mine here in New York. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, he, he said that the, the LGBT community doesn't really support Buttigieg, which is, I think, a surprise to a lot of folks. And, uh, mm-hmm. and obviously the black community also does not support Buttigieg. Right. His numbers, the black community, are terrible. So he's, I mean, you're yeah. right about him having some strength in the Midwest. And people do. Is he, where is he in Iowa right now in the polls? He's, he's up there. I think he's leading. I think he might be, too, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, hey, but he's got those those other hurdles to to get over. We'll see. What's uh, yeah. by, what, what's on tap for Chamberlain? You know, over the weekend, man. How, how does Will Chamberlain rock out at this great time for America? Oh man, I mean, I might be on Twitter or something. I might really, really run wild. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I had a very lovely trip this weekend to the Blue Ridge Mountains for Thanksgiving. Uh, so I'm back in town, and I'm going to probably play it a little a little quiet this weekend. Where are you on turkey? Do you eat turkey other than on Thanksgiving? Because producer Brandon, like no. a barbarian, thinks that turkey is a year-round meat. No, I mean, I actually, my sister, who is a wonderful cook, uh, refuses to make turkey for Thanksgiving. She She's just like, no, roast chicken is better. We're, we're eating roast chicken. Oh, you're a roast chicken on Thanksgiving, family. Ah, look I mean, words, actually, she's she just she just insisted she's because she's this foodie nut and she's like, no one likes turkey. It's not doesn't taste good. Roast chicken is strictly better. We're having roast chicken. I'm like, OK. And I mean, I mean, I can't think you can't good, fight that. So. You can't you can't fight that at all. Right. All right. Man, well, have a, have a great one. Will keep doing the stuff over at Human Events. Will is editor in chief over there, folks. HumanEvents.com for his latest. Mr. Chamberlain, you take care. Yeah. Thank you very much. Bud. The mark of an intelligent competent person is when they make a mistake, they have the guts to stand up and say, I made a mistake, I'm sorry. We don't question your belief that you made a mistake. I think the question is the timing that you realize you made the mistake. Well, nobody asked me about it until I started running for president, so come on. Are you saying to people that you realize you had made a mistake before, but you just didn't mention it until now? I think we were overzealous at the time to do it. Um, Our intent was to do anything we could to stop uh, the uh, carnage the murder rate. And what was surprising is when we stopped doing it a little bit, we thought crime would go up. It didn't. It went down. You know, it should have, would have, and could have. I can't help that. Uh, But in looking back, made a mistake. I'm sorry. I apologize. Let's go fight the NRA and find other ways to Mm -hmm. stop the uh, murders and incarceration. Those are things that I'm committed to do. And uh, the more I do that, the better off everybody is. So Mayor Bloomberg here, who is running for president and does have some support because he's got billions and billions of dollars. Uh, Mayor Bloomberg was for a very liberal, very left wing city here in New York, uh, was a good mayor. He's terrible at national policy, but he was a pretty good mayor. I I can't say otherwise. The city was well run. It was cleaner than it had been, safer than it had been. Uh, He was doing a good job as an administrator. The guy had run a very large, built and run a very large company with thousands, I think tens of thousands now, or at least I think it's 14 or 15,000 Bloomberg employees around the world. Very large company. So the guy's not dumb. He's a smart dude, for sure. We need to be honest about you know who on the left and who, who among the Democrats have a lot of brain power. He's a smart guy. He's just got bad judgment about things and doesn't know what he doesn't know, which is a common problem among a lot of uh, very powerful, very wealthy Democrats. And, and to be fair, among a lot of people who are just wealthy and powerful in general. But here he's getting some heat for stop and frisk, which I remember was a very contentious 
argument in New York City at the time. And uh, I, I spent some time as an terrorism analyst, counterterrorism analyst at the NYPD's Intel division. And there was a lot of talk about it back then, if memory serves. And uh, here's, here's the problem. I mean, stop and frisk seemed like an idea that law enforcement liked it. Law enforcement always likes to have additional tools to do their job. Doesn't make them doesn't make them bad guys and gals. It just means that they want more stuff, whether it's actual things or it's more ability and more tactics to use to keep people safe. It is up to us. It is up to the civilian oversight uh, and the elected leaders of any given community to set those parameters. All right. So, you know, you talk to a lot of good people in law enforcement. You say, hey, I mean. Do you guys think that you should just be able to this, this was true for a while. It used to be the case that if emails were older than 90 days and people still are shocked when they find this out. If email was older than 90 days, you didn't need probable cause. You only needed a reasonable suspicion, a much lower threshold. So basically, you could get somebody's if you wanted to see somebody's emails from six months ago and you were in law enforcement, it's a really easy thing to do and very unlikely you're going to be told now. They had to change that. Actually, Congress, I think, passed a law to address that because that was just made. You know, that really kind of came from an era when people were sending maybe like five emails a day or five emails a month. And, you know, they didn't realize that everyone's lives now are encapsulated in their emails. I mean, they've just everything they're doing, their transactions, their banking, their doctors, everything's done over email. But law enforcement, I remember at the time, the guys were like, no, nah, but we like it that way because they want to be able to do the job. They don't think, well, people will abuse this. They don't think that, you know, the Adam Schiff's of the world will have that power. Remember, that guy was a federal prosecutor, Schiff. That should be terrifying to everybody. They think, you know, the good guys like me will just be able to stop the bad guys with that. That was the way they also thought of um, many of the cops that I spoke to, the thought of stop and frisk. And it turns out that maybe you could argue, and I'm sure there'd be some people who come on the show who would, that this cause and effect is not as direct. I didn't mean for that to rhyme either. I don't know what's going on today. It's just one of those days, man. You know, the cat in the hat, green eggs and ham, stuff like that. <laughs> I didn't even try to do that time either. But uh, the the truth here is that I don't, know, I don't know what's going on. Buck's got a little bit of the sillies today. The, the truth is that when they actually looked at the crime numbers after they got rid of stop and frisk, uh, the crime kept going down. Um, I would like to dive into a bit more of what I think is happening in some of these cities where the quality of life crimes are rising and they rise to a point where it is unavoidable. It is unforgettable that or sorry, un. Uh, undeniable, not un- unforgettable, that's what, uh, undeniable that there's a, a surge in quality of life crimes. But the truth is, stop and frisk went away and crime went down. And you got to look at that and say, OK, maybe. And I, I thought that stop and frisk was good. All, all it allowed was for if law enforcement, if cops, let's say, if cops thought, you know, NYPD thought that somebody, you know, might pose a public safety risk. Uh, they would they could stop people on the street and just ask to pat them down, essentially. And, you know, people uh, this was in primarily minority communities in the city and people objected to it. And it became a big rallying cry that we should get rid of this. They got rid of it and the murder rate didn't skyrocket and terrible things didn't happen. Maybe people want to argue and I'm open to this argument and they might want to argue that it just you have to give it more time and that these things build. But in the short term, we got to look at the facts as what they are. I just find this so interesting because here's Bloomberg, who was an excellent mayor, 
being uh, told to bend the knee and say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, and really kind of beg forgiveness for the whole stop and frisk policy because he was the mayor of New York, the NYPD, when this was happening. And his first his first move is, let's go after the NRA. Let's I got an idea. Let's go after the NRA. Uh, This didn't work for Weinstein. It didn't work for uh, who somebody else tried this pretty recently. You know, I'm just going to devote myself to going after the National Rifle Association. I mean, the, the left loves these boogeymen. That are out there, like the NRA and the Koch brothers, and they can just point to this. You know? It used to be Halliburton, remember that? If you were a leftist, all you do is be like, Halliburton, and everyone's like, oh, oh my gosh, Halliburton, they're watching you. No, Adam Schiff is watching you, Halliburton's not watching you, but uh, he's having to try to beg forgiveness from the left, and they don't really care. That he was a good mayor. That's what I find so interesting. The stuff that he did as a mayor that was reality based, they don't. That's not viewed as a as a huge um, as a huge win on the left. What they care about is how much he wants to tackle climate change, how much gun control he wants to push. I mean, those left wing, uh, ideologically deeply divided issues. That's what he's going to have to do. So, all, but what I'm saying is, all the good stuff that Bloomberg did is either going to be forgotten, minimized, or repudiated. And now you're just going to see the distillation of Bloomberg the candidate into you know, left-wing, Ocasio-Cortez-style lunacy. And that's, that's what they're going to force him to do, because otherwise he's not going to have, he's not going to have a very long uh, candidacy. That much is for sure. And, uh, and then we, we had our friend just now telling us about Buttigieg, here he is being being Buddha judge, um, talking about how he's the guy who can take us into the next era. Play 12. I want to begin by asking you to picture as specifically as you can uh, a day that is going to come in the not too distant future one way or the other in our country. And it's the day that the sun comes up over our country and Donald Trump is no longer the president of the United States. I just want to ask you to build that image. But the reason I'm asking you to picture that day is not only to remind us that we got something to look forward to, but also to ask you to think about what America is going to need on that day, what we're going to require of our next president. Because by definition, this election is a competition not only for who can bring an end to the Trump era, but who can lead us into the era that must come next. I just don't think he's a compelling guy. I don't I don't see it. I don't I don't hear it. I don't know. I'm not. not and by the way, and I'm trying to say a, a picking among Democrats. I think he's boring. I think I think that he's a guy of very there's no particular vision. There's no there's no why. And this is what one of the this is why we played that clip for you. The sun comes up and Trump is no longer president. How does that benefit the people that are listening to this other than they have, you know, we, we've been pushed into this tribalism. My side, your side, my team, your team, left, right, Republican, Democrat. OK, so the Democrats will be happy about that. But what exactly does Mayor Pizza is going to do that's going to make the country better? How will they make the country better? Medicare for all is a is a myth. It's a joke. It's never going to even if a Democrat wins, I do not think it'll happen because I do not think they'll be able to get the Congress to go along with it. So what what else do they offer up? 
What is the compelling reason to vote, you know, to, to protect a woman's right to a taxpayer-funded abortion? I mean, that's one thing. What, what are the things that Democrats offer that they, that they believe compel people to vote for them? It's not an, it's not an impressive list. I've got to tell you, it's not a lot, there's not a lot of stuff there. It's just not Trump. That's what he's telling you. know, They'll wake up and Trump won't be president, and that's supposed to make people feel good. And it just makes me sad because here I am looking at data, numbers, reality for what's going on in the Trump presidency and what do we have on the other side? Oh, well, at least Trump won't be president. So then what? People won't be subjected to his salty tweets? What, what is so terrible about a Trump presidency? They, they've told us about all these things. We were going to be pushed into fascism. There's going to be nuclear war. We're going to have all kinds of catastrophe. None of that has happened. In fact, the opposite of that has happened. And I mean, I really think that it's it would be to the great discredit of the American voter if we're heading into an election and the country feels then like it does now, which isn't if things can happen. But if we had an election, the country feels then like it does now. and We don't vote for the person that's presiding over this America. Do you want to go back to the America that was our best days are behind us? No, I don't think so. Our best economic uh, days are behind us. Nope. All right. It's Friday. So I might just start rambling about movies or TV shows or what I made for dinner this week or something, because, you know, it's that kind of a day, that kind of a show. Uh, but first, I figured we should step step into the the realm of the crazy the climate change activists for a little bit. They're at it again. They are uh, running around causing problems. I actually saw a friend of mine down in D.C. share that right next to I mean, I, I could see the block. It is a block from my old office at the hill dot com. There were people blocking the streets entirely on K Street with these climate change, uh, you know, climate change ba- banners. I think the, um, I think that I'm trying to find what the banners were saying, just because it was so it was so absurd. But uh, climate change increasingly starts to remind me a little bit of a, it's almost like a death cult, meaning that they want they're they're rooting for the the death of all humanity, or they really think it's yeah mass extinction. They're holding up signs saying mass extinction is coming. Who, who believes this? Who thinks that you hold up a sign that says mass extinction is coming and you're a, you're, what you're doing is worthwhile and intelligent and people should pay attention to you? This is very strange behavior. This is not normal. Mass extinction. We are all going to die, but there will be people after us. And I think a lot of folks have just a hard time with that. In the grand scheme of things, unless you have some connection to the Almighty, we are all somewhat, in fact, deeply insignificant. We are just, you know... What does the guy say in Gladiator? We are shadows and dust, Maximus. Shadows and dust. And then he's like, Proximo, are you in danger of becoming a good man? You know, see, we could do we could do Gladiator all day up in this. A great, a great movie, a timeless classic. Best thing that Russell Crowe was ever in, with the possible exception. Of Master and Commander, which is also a fantastic movie. If you have, I'm going to give you something. If you haven't seen Master and Commander over the weekend, make that the movie you watch this weekend. It is. It's just so well done. It moves. It's 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 beautifully shot. The music is excellent. Anyway, I'm just the lesser of two weevils. It's a great movie. It's a great movie. All right, so climate change loons. I, I'll never forget. I remember I went on CNN once. And you had, I said something about people thinking that cow farts were going to 
you know, put a hole in the atmosphere. Or, I, I don't know. And some, you know, climate change activist group out of D.C., you know, I'm sure probably funded with Soros money. I don't remember what they were called. But they were they were started tweeting. I saw them. They tweeted me and CNN saying that I should, like, never be allowed on the air again because of my ignorance on climate. Uh, these people are completely nuts. And yet, if I walked into CNN right now and I sat down, or MSNBC, or ABC News, any of these places, I mean, CNN's obviously my least favorite, because I know it well. Uh, but if I walked into any of these places and sat down and I said, what do you think of the, of the climate mass extinction people? The people that are holding up signs right now in the D.C. and overseas and wherever that, that claim that they really think that the, the country, I'm sorry, the world, not the country. The world is going to be uh, bereft of humanity before long. What, what do you think about that? Do you think that they would, they would agree with me and they would mock? No, they won't mock them. They will not mock these people. They would say that they're raising awareness, which is the great excuse of activists with stupid causes at any given time on any given issue. Oh, we're just raising awareness. Well... If they're raising awareness by stopping me from getting through my commute to get to my job to pay my bills, I got to tell you, I'd be pretty upset with these climate change loons. But the scariest thing that I'm seeing these days is that, uh, and you know, th- there are ancient cultures where they where they worship like a like a child god of some kind. You know, I mean, there are there are, there are times when you know in different dynasties where if you were a part of a if you were a part of a dynasty and the, and the child. And the person that's now next in line in in, uh, in succession is considered a, a god king. That now we're all, they're all adults are saying, "Oh, this is the this person is is deified as the next emperor or whatever." I mean, this this is a thing that that can happen. I think there's even a there's a I'm trying to remember the movie about it. Um, anyway, it happened in China, you know, because there the leader was the you know the emperor is not really a human, and so the emperor ends up being a kid. Greta Thunberg is being held up as some kind of child god emperor. I mean, she's 16, but she's not that young. Right? I mean, she's almost an adult, two years away from adulthood. But the point is, even an 18-year-old doesn't know anything about this stuff. But 18-year-olds, you are allowed to criticize when they become public figures, unless it's David Hogg. And then if you criticize him, who is just a smug imbecile, uh, you're supposed to lose your job, get in trouble, and no one's allowed to talk to you again. He's allowed to run around calling people terrorists who believe in the Second Amendment, the NRAs, terrorists, blood on their hands. And if you push back, how dare you? He's a child. This is what they do. How dare you? He's a child. You can't say that to him. Uh, well, Thunberg is now traveling around. Where is she? She's going to some, some climate uh, summit. And she is being uh, used to shame people in leadership positions because they are... Uh, not doing enough. She just arrived in Madrid after taking an overnight train there from Lisbon because there's a gathering of world leaders. And she says they are failing to combat climate change. Let's play clip 21, please. We are really gaining momentum in Sweden. We are getting bigger and bigger. And uh, we are, our voices are being heard more and more. Uh, but of course, that does not They're growing, folks. This has become now a a global movement of people who are just intoxicated with the brainless self-righteousness of all this climate change nonsense. 
I mean, I sit here and I, I really do every day I come and I do this show. I try to just tell you the truth as I know it about everything. There is no reason for me to not believe the world is going to end other than the fact that I don't believe the world is going to end because of CO2 in the air, which is 0.01% of the atmosphere, by the way. You really think that that's going to, you think that that's going to end all human life? This is uh, insane. I mean, you can go back and watch these movies. They, there was a time when there was a, a surge. These things go in cycles, right? I mean, there, there are surges in different mass psychoses that you'll see over time. And there were those uh, movies. Remember, remember the uh, was it the day after tomorrow? And uh, there was another one where it's just you know the the climate change stuff all happens. And don't people have to like go up to the mountains because there's the sea levels rise so high? Wasn't that with uh, Jake Gyllenhaal? I think so. Yeah, yeah. it was okay. These movies, these movies stink. I was being nice. Yeah, I know. I know. You're very. Brandon is a very polite, a very polite fellow. Um, it's funny because you know having you in here, like you're very, you're you're you're, um, you're agreeable. <laughs> um, whereas we, I mean, as much as we love and miss producer Mark, who's right now, I hope he's putting on the sunblock because Jamaica, those rays, I mean, he could, you know, he could end up getting uh, quite a quite a burn. So we're going to send a little reminder, producer Mark, put on your sunblock. Don't get so drunk on margaritas on the beach that you forget that. But he's a little salty. Yeah. He's a little salty. He's, <laughs> I'll yeah, say it. <laughs> yeah, he's producer Brandon agrees. Producer Mark's a little salty sometimes. I'm the the Switzerland of producers. Yeah, yeah exactly. So. And uh, these these movies though they came out because people were at that point they were so invested in this idea that the the world's going to come to an end. I mean, go back. I, I'm not making this stuff up. I'm not taking it out of context. Just go look, go look at the Al Gore movie about polar bears and how. I mean, it was <laughs> sorry he didn't make a documentary about polar bears, but you know, you know, an inconvenient truth. Go back and watch that movie and look at the predictions, including that polar bears were all drowning and they had to. Do, you know, polar bears. I think of polar bears kind of sounding like Chewbacca a little bit, you know? And they're trying to... That's as close as I get to Chewbacca noise. And uh, they they couldn't get from one ice floe to another. Actually, polar bear populations are thriving all across Alaska and the Canadian north. And I even saw a story yesterday that, that polar bears are becoming a huge nuisance in, I think, part of eastern Russia. Uh, near, in and around Siberia, maybe, something like that. Where there's too many of them. The point being, not that not just that I want to talk about polar bears, but that the things that they say don't come true, and then they expect us to listen to their predictions the next time around. The things that they have promised us were going to happen, unless we do what they say, have not happened, and now they're pulling the same routine, the same, you better do this, or else these other terrible things are going to happen. And I just have to ask, I have to wonder, at what point... At what point have we had enough? At what point do normal people just say, we don't want to do this anymore? We don't want to go through this anymore. Um, it's now an apocalyptic cult. And that's important for our understanding. I mean, I said it was a death cult before, but it's not a death cult. that It's not like the thuggy cult of India from the 19th century, which is where we get the term thug, where they would strangle people on the side of the road. And it was the god Kali that they were strangling in the, you know, that they were strangling in order to appease and please. Um, I mean, here, here's a perfect example. You look at this. Forbes is calling it an apocalyptic cult. That's certainly true. I just did a, a search today to, to look at what's going on in the climate change world. And this world is going to end stuff that AOC says. I mean, there's legislation being introduced in Congress. I'm not, you know, this isn't like I'm picking on the church of the flying spaghetti pastafarian or whatever that was. Remember that guy who wanted to, 
brought some church challenge or some church and state challenge over this because he wanted to wear a pasta strainer on his head and he said it was a religious anyway um we're not picking on some little insignificant group these people really they're socialists always um there's been a little bit more of an openness recently to talk about how they're socialists but now we see exactly what they're planning and and you see these stories and uh you know you can understand that the propaganda effect here has been successful in a way that's troubling because if people really believe that we are facing the apocalypse what are they not willing to do i mean i really i have to ask that in all seriousness what where do they draw the line um you look back in history and i think it's an important lesson for all of us you never want to underestimate uh, the collective's ability to destroy that governments which is always at some level a representation of the collectivist mindset governments have an unbelievable and unending capacity for the infliction of misery and despair and destruction which is why our founders what what was the big concern constraining government we need government at some level but we also want to constrain the powers of government you look at what happened in uh in china in the 1960s the great famine where you had at least 20, perhaps as many as 40 million people, and they don't even really know, but tens of millions of people starved to death. That was all in the name of progress. Mao didn't come forward and say, hey, I got an idea. Let's just starve millions of people. We got too many people here. No, they said we're going to have a, the Great Leap Forward was all about the industrialization process, the necessity of leveraging, of, of using mass mobilization of people uh, in order to create a more industrial and therefore more prosperous society. And that resulted in millions and millions of people dying. And government, uh, the government of China has never apologized. Won't even, you can't even really talk about it. They have no, no interest in uh, dealing with that past. But anywhere, um, anywhere that they have un restrained power government can destroy and climate change is at its core an invitation for government to have absolute power over everything and anything it wants with no restraints whatsoever so that's why even in little things i mean i see i see a sinister hand behind even little stories that they push forward like um nbc news here birds are getting smaller scientists see the echo of climate change no Birds are not getting smaller because of climate change. Okay, sorry, no way. Uh, a, a one degree, a one degree change in global temperature. And, I mean, this, this is, and that's so now the birds are getting smaller. It was the polar bears were drowning before. Now the birds are getting smaller, and they think that I'm crazy. They think that I'm some. I mean, I'm somebody. All I do is research and read and try to learn more and try to speak to people that I think are smarter than me on different issues or just smarter than me in general. I just want to learn, bring as much as I can together and share as much worthwhile stuff with you while I'm hopefully entertaining you, too. That's all I do. That's my that's my life's work. And I see things like this and I say, they think that I'm missing something. They're out of their minds. Philly students at a climate change rally won't be punished for missing class. Why are there all these exceptions made? If you want to go protest climate change, you just get to skip school? I mean, i got to be honest with you. When does somebody say, hey, Greta Thunberg is high school age. Does she, she just doesn't get, she doesn't go to school so she can go travel the world and talk about climate change? It's like truancy, isn't it? Am I, am I missing something? You know, she doesn't have a PhD in climatology. She's just rolling around giving speeches other people write for her and just... 
abusing uh, the good faith that many of us have about not wanting to just not even good faith, just being good people. Yeah, I don't want to criticize kids. I don't want to make fun of kids. It's not nice. Uh, But I got to be able to criticize messages that are trying to influence public policy and certainly the adults that are are behind all of this. Um, California bans insurers from dropping policies made riskier by climate change. No, they're not riskier by climate change. They're riskier because of California mismanagement. All these stories. Greta Thunberg, they try so desperately to silence us, she says at the Madrid climate talks. Who is trying? That's a perfect example. Who's trying to silence her? I mean, you know, she was like the biggest news story in the world during their U.N. uh, summit here. Who's silencing her? No one silences her. They turn her into an international. She was up for the Nobel Peace Prize for doing nothing. For doing nothing. It's like Seinfeld is a show about nothing. It's a great show. You know, her Nobel Peace Prize would have been a Peace Prize for doing nothing. It's amazing. Well, I mean, Obama already actually got that Peace Prize. The I Did Nothing Prize, but they're going to give it to me anyway. Um, this is a this is a mass delusion, my friends, and it's not going to get better. Because you know the problem with people who believe so much in something like this is that when you challenge them, they become angry. And then when you challenge them, they become angry and the evidence is now clear and no longer on their side. Then they become indignant and they shut off the normal processes of self-correction because it's so embarrassing. At some point, people will wake up and they'll realize that their belief in this apocalyptic cult is so embarrassing that they will refuse to believe it as a way of protecting their own psyche because they can't go forward in life accepting what a bunch of dumbasses they are. That's where this whole climate change thing is going. So they'll they'll completely shut down reason. They'll shut down debate and discussion in favor of, well, I can't be that dumb. So this must be true. Just give it time. Hope you all are enjoying that we have the podcast of The Buck Sexton Show up earlier than uh, we had. Well, it's up earlier now than it ever was before, but we've been doing it for a month or two. Uh, Numbers keep going up every month, and that is because of one thing and one thing only. Those of you who listen to this show believe in it. You believe in what I do. I believe in our mission here. And you tell people about the show. It's the best way for us to grow it. Also, those of you who haven't yet, it's kind of fun. If you haven't already, I think you really dig it. You can watch the show on Pluto TV, channel 248, the first. I also want you to get in that habit because we're going to be building out 248, Pluto TV, the first in 2020. More shows, more specials, all kinds of stuff. I mean, it's going to be a one-stop shop digital channel for conservative free speech. And so uh, I want you to download it now. You can watch me. Watch my man, Jesse Kelly, who's hilarious um, and a great dude. And I I want you to get in that rhythm because we're going to be adding people you know to the lineup. We're going to be adding people with great shows, great voices. And it's just the beginning. But download that app now because the more you guys download it, the more momentum we have to add things faster. And also, of course, uh, the more you tell people about this podcast and our audience grows the better all around for everybody because otherwise you know you don't want pop a buck to have to get a real job that's going to be sad for everyone hey team buck it's time for roll call Get a roll call here in a, in a second, team. But I just got you know producer Brandon, who is making sure that the the hut keeps on rolling while producer Mark is on the beach with his uh, newly newly married lady. Um, 
Pretty random. I've never seen you with sleeves rolled up before. You have you have more ink than most members of the Hell's Angels. This is <laughs> this is a new thing. You really have never noticed my tattoos? Before? No. All right. What do we got here? I mean, I know people can't really see it, but I just talk about like, what's on the right. But you got that's almost a full sleeve. Yeah, three quarter sleeve. Three quarter uh, sleeve. I know you're Mr. Movie. Do you remember the film The Never Ending Story? Of course. So that's Never Ending Story. Falcor. Oh, you have the. Oh my gosh, you have the Gamak, big the flying white. Like it looks like a Maltese. You know the dog. Yeah, yeah. it's just his face, right? Yeah. And uh, I mean, I'm not gonna take my shirt. No, no, no. Relax, that's right. A, that's a different show. I have the rock guy over here. Remember the guy who ate, who eats oh, rocks? These powerful. Hands. Yeah, yeah. It's that guy, right? Yeah, yeah. And I have the Orin on my my shoulder. So it's like a whole theme. You of, have a whole. Ne- you have a giant, never-ending story sleeve tattoo. How did we never get to this? Before? <laughs> I don't know. You never. You know, you know, producer Nick, who helps us on the, on okay. the video. Side, you know, he's 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 inked up too, man. You guys, okay. you guys have some good stuff. Right Where do you go to get this done? Uh, a lot. I'll give them a, a shout out. Uh, out on Long Island, uh, the notorious tattoo, a uh, big Joel that has done a lot. But I got, I've gotten. I mean, that's like real artwork. I mean, it looks like you got, it's like a mural on your arm. That's pretty, it's pretty. I, I don't want to go somewhere. I mean, I'm where... way too much of a wimp, by the way. I, I wouldn't even get like a shamrock on my ankle. It would hurt too You're much. not going to get Nixon on your back? Uh, oh, I mean, that is, that is a bold <laughs> tattoo that Roger Stone has. What do we got on the other arm? Oh, uh, well, this one, I got, uh, you know. Is Wood- that Snoopy? That's Woodstock, which I got in Woodstock. Last year, I went to the Woodstock site. Wow. And I went to Woodstock Tattoo, and I got Woodstock with, uh, you know. A bandana on it, so I've gotten themes. Wow. And I, I can't show you this, but I got a big radio mic. Of That's cool. Yeah, I mean, yeah. If I were to get a tattoo, I think it would be a radio mic. Yeah. yeah. Then I would just start talking to my own shoulder or something all the time, <laughs> which might, might be a little bit weird. No, I have a bunch. I have the uh, the handicapped guy, because I have a physical disability, uh, with the mohawk and metal horns throwing up to make it a little bit more like me. Oh, wow. As well. My, my dad's business card. Uh, he passed away like seven years ago, so I got his business card in the back of my, my arm, so... I got a, I got a Dude, few. You, I mean, you are you are like a you're like an art gallery walking around here. You got a lot of stuff. Never. I never. I mean, I've, oh, I guess I funny. just had never like you know. But you're just today producer uh, producer Brandon sleeves are like way up, and I'm like whoa, got a lot of ink. I guess because at the old studio we would be between. Oh yeah, we had a separation, so I had right, that's and it's right. been cold out, so I haven't been wearing you know tank tops or anything. Well, if you guys like ink, I gotta tell you, producer Brandon, you should send him an email. He'll tell you where to go. Thank he's, you. He's got it at the. He's got it at the high level. All right. With that, producer Brandon giving us the uh, education about where to get the ink. Um, we have roll call stuff to get to. And, my friends, here we go. You know, I made roast chicken for myself earlier this week, by the way, and I didn't make enough sauce. And one thing I've learned is that even though calorically it's probably terrible, you always got to make more sauce than they tell you to make, you know? It was like a pan sauce. And this is just a random, random brain fart, but I'm just saying, always make a little more sauce. Because I didn't, that was the one thing that I was... I think you need to give a certain kind of turkey another shot. Because you love barbecue, and when it went down to Austin, Texas this year, uh, they have like just the best turkey at some of the best barbecue places, so they know how to do it. No, I just like to give people a hard time about turkey. I mean, my mother made my mother <laughs> okay. made turkey this year for Thanksgiving. It was fantastic. It okay. was absolutely All delicious. Right. Yeah, but she's like a maestro. I mean, she's like, a, she's like an artiste with that turkey. <laughs> um, All right, here we go. Let's get to uh, some of our friends here on Roll Call. We have... Uh, Facebook.com slash Buck Saxton if you want to send it in on Facebook. Team Buck at iHeartMedia.com is our email address. Chris writes in, Buck, love the show. Uh Uh-oh. I do have to take issue with your take on Bond movies. They've always been a bit cheesy and tongue-in-cheek, but more fun than serious. 
The latest Bond movies are watchable, but not really in the spirit of the genre. Austin Powers is even more in line than the pouty new Bond. Hmm. Yeah, baby. You guys all remember that? Austin Powers was a phenomenon for a while. Yeah. He was, uh... He's, he was a lot. I've got to think. I haven't seen an Austin Powers movie in a long time. I think they made too many of them. The first one was pretty, pretty great. First but. one was great. Second one, of course, had Mini Me, so that was classic. The third one is when I just jumped the shark with Beyonce. I that's probably the only time I've ever walked out of a theater. Mm-hmm. I got you. Uh, Lucinda, finally ask a question. I heard today a portion of Nancy Pelosi going ahead with articles of impeachment. Who will be president if Mr. Trump and Mr. P- uh, Pence are removed from power? We, would we have the first woman unelected Democrat president? Lucinda, yes. The answer to your question is is yes. If uh, they did manage to remove Trump from office, and of course then Mike Pence, who is the vice president, would become the president. Um, and then if they managed to remove him, which sounds crazy, but it's only a little bit crazier than removing Trump the first in the first part of this, uh, then yes, Nancy Pelosi is third in line. The Speaker of the House would become the president of the United States. Nancy Pelosi would be the president. I think the chances of that happening are probably, I mean, one in a million, but I can't, um, I can't say it's zero. I can't say it is zero. Uh, so we'll see. We shall see. Um, let's see what we have next here. Derek. Hey, Buck, Nancy Pelosi must only be Catholic for the communion. She seems to be hitting the wine a lot these days. Whoa, Derek. Um, Let's see. Unless, of course, the videos are edited. I just want to say thanks for making me one of the most informed in the Facebook community. I tell everybody to watch your show so they can be up to date, too. Keep up the great work. Shields high. Derek, really appreciate the kind words. Uh, It does does really mean a lot. I mean, you know, producer Brandon can attest to the fact that I'm, I'm sending thoughts it's kind of like, uh, I think Rumsfeld used to call them snowflakes, where he'd send like one line, top line emails to people all the time. Like, you know, this, that, I need this, that. I'm sending these to Brandon and, and Mark when he's in at, you know, they'll get, e- and I always tell them, you guys, you don't have to respond, but I, if you get an email from me at four o'clock in the morning about how we have to do a cool segment on something, just just file it away for later, you know? So uh, the show is, the show is in constant, people ask me that, how do you prepare for the uh, radio show you do every day, and I just say everything is preparation. I mean, everything I read, everything I think about, everything that I... It's not like I have a... Yeah, every morning I wake up, drink my coffee, start reading in so I can be up on the day's news, so I come here and know what's happened. And, but, you know, I go home at night, I'm reading books, I'm taking notes, I'm reading a, a biography of Stalin right now, so you'll be hearing me talk more about just, just peppering in some things that I think are noteworthy from that. Uh, I've talked to you about uh, 12 Who Ruled, the... Uh, book about the Committee of Public Safety from the French Revolution that I recently finished. Uh, so there's a there's a bunch of things that I try to work into all this. And then also just my conversations with people, people that are very either have expertise in something or politically active or just knowledgeable. I've got some stealth conservatives who are brilliant people in private sector life who sometimes feed me either ideas for segments or just thoughts on things. And so that's the show. The show is everything. This is a show. You know, Seinfeld says it's a show about nothing. This is a show about everything. The Buck Sexton Show. A show about everything. Maybe you should put that on a commercial. It's true, though. Uh, Let's see. Chesson. Hey, Buck. I was listening to another podcast and talking about Jim Jones and the way Jones speaks and the language he uses reminds me of Joe Biden. Shields high, beards thick. 
My beard's coming a little bit. Producer Brandon also has a better beard than me, but we don't have to talk about that right now. But uh, uh, Jim Jones, do you mean Admiral Jim Jones or Jim Jones the Kool-Aid guy? Right? Isn't there? There's two. I, I'm a, probably the Kool-Aid guy. The Kool-Aid drinking guy. Not not the guy from the Kool-Aid commercial. You know what I mean? The guy that ever was. Wasn't that, wasn't that the thing? They had the, like, uh, cult, and they all drank. This where drank the Kool-Aid comes from. Wasn't the guy's name Jim Jones? I think so. I don't know. Buck doesn't know everything. Just almost everything. Um, let's see. John. Buck, if for whatever reason you find yourself just kicking back at home this Saturday, maybe put together your favorite snack and beverage, kick back and watch Torah, Torah, Torah. A sad non-comedy of errors, but perhaps in the end it needed to happen the, uh, to awake the sleeping giant, something that Yamamoto never said. Um, enjoy the adult beverage in the movie. All right. Torah, Torah, Torah. I've never even heard of that. I don't know. Is that a movie? What is What is What the heck? Sometimes people write in, and I'm just so curious. I'm like, what am I? Is that a thing? I don't know. I'll have to Google that and figure this out. I've never seen Bridge on the River Kwai which is probably an unacceptable oversight on my part because I believe it is Ron Swanson's favorite movie, along with Herbie, Fur- Herbie Fully Loaded and um, another John Wayne movie, I think. I forget. Tora, Tora, Tora is from 1970. What is it? Yeah, it's a movie, the dramatic retelling of the Pearl Harbor attack. It details everything in the days that led up to the tragic moment in American history. I have never even heard of that before. Are you? I, I have, but I never really thought about it. I've heard, I felt like I've heard it as a phrase. What do you think about Pearl Harbor in the movie? I never saw it. I love Team America when they have that thing. they like, that. Pearl Harbor really sucks. <laughs> it's so true because it was so bad. It's such a bad movie. People get mad at me when I say that. They like it. I'm like, why? You want to just watch us get like, you know, sneak attacked and destroyed? And then the Doolittle Raid. The Doolittle Raid is not enough. Uh, is not enough, you know, pendulum swing on the other side for me, man. You know, it, it needs to be like Pearl Harbor and then, you know, raising the flag at Iwo Jima or something. Like, we need to, you know, I, I'm sorry. It's not a the Doolittle raid. Oh, we could strike at Japan, too. I mean, it was interesting and all, but it wasn't enough. Anyway, uh, you, as you've noticed, I'm a radio host. I have, I have opinions on things. Just a thing, just a thing that I got. Um... Let's see what else we have here. Uh, hold on a second. That's a thing that I got. Um, Facebook.com slash Buck Sexton. Did I already say that? John. Uh, great show as always. Buck rocks. John, you rock. It's a great message. Yeah, anybody who ever wants to get in roll call, remember, you can either just write Buck, your show is perfection in the subject line or the, or the first line, or you can write Buck, you keep the Freedom Hut keeps me safe and warm at night. Then I know you're a friendly and everything else you're going to say is true. You've already established you have good taste. You're a wise person. So from there, I think we're ready to roll. J- Matt writes, dude, oh, we got, I knew somebody was going to weigh in on this. I knew somebody when I was, when we're having a ridiculous talk about, you know, would you rather be, you know, uh, die from like bee stings or like a, a thousand bee stings or like a tarantula bite to the face. You know, anyway, Matt writes, Crocs kill you by grabbing you and drag you underwater to perform a death roll. So more likely you die by drowning, at least with a boa constrictor, you would probably pass out first. Crap. I think he's right. I think the croc usually grabs you with that first and then they pull you in the water and then they do the they roll and yeah. they they kind of you're disoriented and you're bleeding while this is happening obviously and terrified. That sounds terrible. And it's a horrible way to go. 
But a boa constrictor man? I feel like that snake would be looking at you like, ha ha, like as you're, you know, slowly I guess killed. maybe a croc in a land fight. There's no water around. Maybe yeah. that that was that's what we were talking but about. But also, sure. can't you beat a croc in a land fight, really, if there was no water around? You know what I mean? Shouldn't you be able to win that? Maybe At least not. run away. I know the Komodo dragons. I watch way. I used to watch way too much of like Me those too. late night animal shows. I know the Komodo dragons have horrible bacteria in their mouth, and so if they bite you even a little bit, you, it's very very decent chance you'll have sepsis, blood poisoning, you could die. So from the from a bacterial infection. There are so many things on this planet I that know, will man. kill you. A lot of them live in Australia too. I was just about to say right? <laughs> Australia is this country of wonderful people, and they got all these animals. It's like, oh, oh, mate, you don't want to touch that thing. It'll rip your face you off. Ever watch those? Uh, override your central nervous system. Those uh, videos of huntsman spiders, people catching them in yeah. their in their house. It's terrifying. Oh my I, god! I hate I hate spiders. All right, we gotta we gotta come back do more roll call. Sorry, we had to take a, just a, a, a breather there while we're talking about whether you'd rather get death rolled by a crocodile or crushed by a boa constrictor. Oh, my parents! I have the best parents in the world. They used to like we used to play this game, and my, my, they'll still make jokes about it to this day. Where we would ask my dad and my mom, who are both very just very smart people, you know, we're little kids. We'd say like, who would win in a fight, a Tyrannosaurus Rex or a killer whale? And they would have to, like, they'd be like, well, son, like, you know, it's a Tyrannosaurus, obviously, very large jaws, powerful teeth, but are we talking on land or in water? Or what if the killer whale was, you know, if, if the Tyrannosaurus Rex was up to its waist and the killer whale was in the, you know, we had to, like, really, they really took our requests for these absurd scenarios seriously. But, you know, sometimes it gets real, folks. Sometimes it's like, what about, what about a Russian brown bear versus a Siberian tiger? That's, that's a close one. You know, I don't think, I don't think anybody really knows how that goes down. So, now that I've told you all the really important things for your weekend, we've got a little more roll call coming your way here. And the best way to do it is, of course, to get into the unread roll call. Gary um, writes, our support for you and, and like you is endless. And my friends affirm our commitment to the Constitution and our American values. Wish you had a bigger format. Fox News Channel would greatly benefit if you had a slot. Um difficult for them to hear the other side of arguments too where can we follow your broadcast and why haven't you sent me a friend request miss seeing you man thanks as always for your courage on our on our behalf uh gary um yeah gary i don't know ask fox uh and as for uh where you can follow me obviously the podcast is a great place to start pluto tv channel 248 the first uh or you can listen on your local affiliate we're on i don't even know how many over 120 140 now maybe something like that affiliates I think someone said 160, but we got a lot, a lot of things. Jeremy wants to talk turkey. Buck, frying turkey is the best way to cook it. It takes the most boring meat and transforms it to likes of chicken, which is the third best meat behind pork and beef. I will say it takes a certain amount of courage or recklessness to drop a 16-pound bird into three gallons of hot oil. As long as the turkey is completely thawed, you will not have any issues. Huh. Frying an entire, you can fry an entire turkey? Is that anything that, you need a really big fryer to do that, right? Am I missing something? I don't know. That sounds good. Fried anything is good. Unfortunately, fried is terrible for you, but it tastes delicious. I was about to say you can fry anything. Yeah. Don't people fry Oreos? Yeah. Usually at county fairs, they're a big hit. Yeah. A lot of gluten. Steven, Buck, I love your show. Cut the cable cord. You can always pull Fox News shows up on YouTube. There's even a live free streaming if you look for it. All right, Steve, and maybe I'll give that a shot. I think it will be kind of fun to cut the cord. I really don't watch any cable. I just watch digital stuff and 
I'm, I'm really embracing this new digital world we live in. And I don't like the, the dominance of the cable companies. I think it's time to put that to an end. Speaking of an end, the show is just pretty much at an end, which is sad because this show is amazing. I hope you all have a fantastic weekend. Please uh, make sure you get some, some rest and relaxation going. You know, spend time with your loved ones. Do some cool stuff that puts your mind at ease, whether it's meditation or woodworking or whatever. Um, and uh, come back ready next week because I think Monday we got the IG report. So it's going to be interesting. Until then, my friends, my fellow patriots, have a great weekend. Shields high. I understand it can be a little bit awkward when you have to think about life insurance. You don't want to have to consider what would be unthinkable, but you have to prepare for an uncertain future and make sure that your family is safe and secure. I've gone through this process myself. It's something you need to do, and you should go to the place that makes it easy for you. No hassle. That's Ethos Life Insurance. Ethos is modern life insurance for people who just don't want to waste time with fine print extra appointments or fees they really just can't afford. Ethos has a simple approach. They take industry expertise and they blend it with technology so that you can find the right policy to protect your loved ones in just a matter of about 10 minutes. And you can apply online. You should check it out for yourself. You'll be taking the first steps to ensure that your family has the financial security they need in case of the unexpected. This is the responsible thing to do. Get a fast, free, and personalized quote right now at ethoslife.com. That's ethoslife.com. Life insurance that actually fits your life.